0: It is the beginning of a new year. It is also the beginning of a new series that we will be doing for the next few uh, few months, probably leading up to, uh, to Lent. Um, we're going to focus on discipleship. And discipleship is one of those words that uh, gets thrown around a lot in Christian circles, especially around people who speak churchy. Um, and I, I know you're all those people who speak churchy, just like me. But discipleship is one of those terms that has been around for a really long time and the church has focused in on it from time to time, not just our church, but the church has focused in on it from time to time. And quite honestly, we've done so not very well. We've done so in ways that um, really missed what discipleship is all about. There was, uh, many years ago, uh, a church out of California, Southern California, Saddleback. You might be familiar with it, uh, definitely their pastor, Rick Warren. Um, And Rick is an amazing man who has done amazingly tremendous things for the kingdom of God. Um, Many years ago, they had this discipleship program, and it was built around a baseball diamond, and the whole idea was that when you first come to faith, you go to first base and there's a class that first base will, will teach you the things you need to know as a first base type person. And then once you once you get that information, they, they kind of check it off and then you move up to second base and then there's a class for second base and then third base and then and then home. And, you know, sensibly when you got home, you were done. Right. It's like, OK. Great, you have been around the horn. You know everything you need to know now, so go see you later. And we followed that here on this campus, that model. We had these classes 101, 30, and 401. And and it was a similar type thing that you came into this class and we taught you this information that we felt like a 101 type person needed to know and then once you got that information, you would then graduate up to 201 and 301 and 401 and we'd you know go, yay, you're a graduate, now be gone with you. And it was well intended. It, re- it really was. It, our idea was to help people understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The idea of the church at large through all of these different programs and, and the countless books that have been written about how to make disciples. The idea behind all of that was really good. It it was it was to get people to understand who God is and who they are in God. But the problem was a lot of times we just once we got there, we checked off a little box and we said, "Okay, next. Because in truth, what the church has really been focused on for the past 50, 200 years is conversion We've been focused so intently on just getting you on our team that once we got you on our team, we didn't really care how you played anymore. The whole point of us was to deliver a great sermon and then do an altar call. And then once you came down and you accepted Jesus Christ, we'd say, great. okay, who doesn't else know him? Where do I go Next. The question, do you know where you're going to be tonight if you die? had been uttered by countless churches. And conversion is an amazing thing, and conversion is a great thing, and it is something to be celebrated when someone comes into the fold, when someone understands what it means to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But if you look what Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, did and how he lived his life, he wasn't focused on the conversion. He was focused on the what comes next. Yes, there were conversion moments in the ministry of Jesus. Absolutely. But he was primarily focused on 12 guys and the seven, nine women that followed. He was primarily focused on his disciples. See, Jesus was intently aware that just getting people knowledge wasn't going to change who they were. I know a lot about, um, musicals, uh, musicals. Th- I was a broad, uh, I was a musical theater minor in college. Thank you. Um, and I, I know, I, I also know how to skin a deer. So deal with, okay. Settle down people. All right. I am varied. Um, but as much as I know about, uh, we like to play these games in our office. We used to, we haven't done it in a while. Um, and it was like, name that tune and Debbie and Daryl, Debbie Chesney and Daryl have this unbelievable mind for music. It is scary. Like it, they, especially like the 1970s and on, um, they just like, you play one note, bam, they're like in with it and they're fighting over it. No, no, no. It was on this album. This guy was playing the bass. I'm like, how do you even know who plays the bass? No offense, Lawrence. We love you. But, um, we know you, cause, uh, but, you know, and so there's this thing. But then when we get into the musical category, game on. Like, you could start throwing out the Eagles and Led Zeppelin. I don't even know what other groups to say, really. That's all I've got. But you start talking about some Broadway musicals, that's, this is when I jump in. Now, having that knowledge does not make me qualified to actually sing and or dance on Broadway. Having the knowledge and the database I have of the different musicals that has come through, the ones that have won Tonys, the ones that should have, the ones that shouldn't have, all of those different stupid facts that I somehow hold on to doesn't give me It would be silly for me to try and step onto a Broadway stage. Oh, I'd try, but it wouldn't go well. What would need to happen is to take my knowledge and to make it into who I am. Not just something I know. When, when Jesus was with his disciples, it wasn't about just giving them knowledge. He did that. He taught, taught a lot. Taught a lot through stories. Taught a lot through sermons. He taught a lot through just dialogue with people. But the point of his time with these men and women wasn't about the knowledge. It was about what he was doing. When Jesus is walking along the beach and he says, come, follow me. He's not saying, hey, come, know what I know. He's saying, come, be like me. Yes, that includes knowing what I know, but it includes knowing who I am. So much so that you begin to act like I am. So much so that you begin to resemble me. That was the goal of any disciple who followed a rabbi, was to become just like the rabbi, the goal of any disciple. Now, most of the time, disciples would have been chosen at uh, around 10, 11, 12 years of age, somewhere around there. And a rabbi would kind of, they'd raise to the top and a rabbi would select them and they would go and they would follow a a rabbi and they become like that rabbi in hopes of one day also becoming a rabbi. But if you weren't chosen by that age, by like 13, you're put out to pasture. And what I mean by that is you go do what your father did. If your father was a fisherman and you weren't chosen to follow in the footsteps of a rabbi, you went and you were a fisherman. There was nothing wrong with that. The fishermen, you know, people got to eat, right? You know, so it's a noble profession. It was a good profession. It was a family profession that these boys were doing. But what they really wanted to do was follow a rabbi. But they just weren't chosen. So when Jesus comes and he walks along the beach and he hollers out to the sons of Zebedee, come, follow me. What do they do? They drop their nets. They take off running. What does their father do? He doesn't go, wait, but I'm here. I bet he weeps with joy. Oh, my boys were chosen. They were chosen not to go to school. They were chosen to live a life. The last words, according to the Gospel of Matthew, that Jesus gives us are these. I have been given complete authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, in this great commission, as we have termed it, you have Jesus giving us our marching orders. Jesus has died. He has conquered death. He's kicked around the earth for another 40 days or so, been with a lot of different people. And then he comes to this point where he's with his disciples one last time. And he says, now, go. Go and make disciples. Everything that you have seen me do over the last three years, go and do it. See, here's the problem with the discipleship methods that we have used in the past. In the way that we've thought about discipleship, we've thought it was just a head thing, and you could come to a class on uh, once a week, and you could learn information, and people would just download information to you, and you could have maybe a little workbook, and you write little things in the back of your workbook to help you remember if you're a note taker, a visual learner, whatever. You, you do these things, and at the end of that class, you're like, okay, great, now I'm a, now I'm a disciple. That, that's great, and you never see the person who was teaching that class again. But see, the the method that Jesus set up was, hey, come be with me. And what I mean by that is to spend the next three years with me. Where I go, you go. Where I eat, you eat. Where I lay my head down at night, you lay your head down at night. Very few instances in the next three years when they were called were the disciples separated from Jesus. They were with him all the time. They got to see him when he woke up in the morning and had bedhead. You know, like Jesus can't have bad hair. They got to see him throughout the day when maybe he stubbed his toe. They got to see him interact with people who he couldn't stand because they were interfering with God's business. They got to see him give compassion and mercy to people that no one else would reach out to. They got to see how he spoke to the least of these. They got to see how he spoke to the greatest of these. They got to see how he lived his life. It wasn't just about what came from his mouth. It was everything about what he did. That's making disciples. It is saying to someone, come, follow me. Come, be like me. If we are truly believers in Jesus Christ, if we are truly sons and daughters, if you believe yourself to be a son and daughter, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your as your Lord and Savior, you're that, you're that person who's done the conversion prayer, and you're on our team, it's no longer acceptable for you to sit on the bench. We need everyone in the game. Everyone must come in, because what you have to offer, I don't. The people who you know and who will follow you won't follow me. You are the ones who Jesus Christ said, go make disciples. Now, countless times over the years, I have heard this, but I don't know enough. I just don't feel like I know enough, Michael. (laughs) Yeah, guess what? You don't have enough money to have a baby either. And yet people keep having them, right? Well, oh, we got to wait till we have enough money. You don't have enough money to have a baby. To say you don't know enough is to belittle what you already know, that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. That's it. That's all you need. And I'm trying each and every day to be more like him. Now, some of you have the blessing of never having gone to seminary, um, and you are blessed because of that. And I will tell you that the degree that I have and the degrees that this guy over here has don't mean as much to us as the things we have experienced with people we look up to in the faith. What I learned at TCU was to root for the horn frogs. Fear of the frog. I learned systematic theology. I learned about um, the different ways that the papacy tried to drive the church into the ground and that Martin Luther nailed his 99 treaties on that chapel door on, on the 31st of October so many years ago. I learned about the Wesley brothers, Charles and John, some of my personal heroes, and some of the things that they did to take the church from what it was into the church that we know today, kind of. But that doesn't make me capable of being someone who disciples another person. Sure, it may give me some knowledge and somebody has a question. I'm able to answer a question maybe a little bit better than somebody else because I have some background information or something. But in truth, if you're waiting to know what I know to be somebody who makes disciples, then you're not listening to what Jesus said. Because Jesus didn't say, go to seminary. Bore your mind with things that professors want to tell you. It was just my experience with seminary. Sit in the back of the class and do the crossword puzzles. Pick up the newspaper from the TCU and criticize it because they don't use any original thought. All they do is said, he said, she said, the entire article. It drove me nuts. Um, like, really, this is a journalism? Okay. Uh, it, it It doesn't say do that. It doesn't say wait until you are ready. It says go, go. Now, get up and go make disciples. That is who we are called to be as sons and daughters. We are not called to be people who sit on the couch and criticize those who are in the game. We are called to be people who are in the game. We are called to be people who are in our neighborhoods, sharing the love of God with each other. We are called to be people who say, I love God, and because of that, I love you too. We are called to be people who engage in our communities. Now it says to make disciples of all nations. Somebody came up to me after the first service and said, you know, I've always thought it said in all nations, but it doesn't. It says of all nations. And that's a very big shift in a little word, right? In all nations implies that you can go everywhere and have a little group in every nation. And that checks off the box. But what Jesus says is of all nations, everybody, everybody is included in the love of God. and It is our job to see that that is done. Now. The world's kind of big. There's a few people in it. And some of you might be saying to yourself, you know, I don't really feel called to go make disciple of some of the nations across the world. I'm not called to go to Africa. Neither am I. Thankfully, I just I couldn't handle it. God's like, no, you're, you would be no good there. Stay home. There's a, a, a young girl. She's not." Like, a young girl anymore, but um, her name's Julie Taylor, and some of you may know Julie Taylor. For the past 15 years of our marriage, Jenna and I have been supporting her. She is a missionary for Campus Crusade for Christ, and what what she's done over the years is she's been in many um, Anias, you know, Slovenia, and a lot of Onias, uh, those types of countries, Um, and she goes and she lives in these countries for years, three, four years at a time and she doesn't come in and and like go Here's a bible, you know, believe in jesus She comes in and she immerses herself in the culture and she becomes a part of a community and she leads these college aged Um, mainly women to an understanding of what it means to be a daughter of god And she spends time there Now there was there was one time that she, um came home, back to Texas, to that hedonistic place known as College Station, because you know they all need Jesus there. When you think of College Station and the Aggies, you think, ooh, hedons, right? Um, But she went to College Station for a little bit, and and she was there, and and Jenna and I were, you know, we got to see her a little bit more, and we were excited about that and hoping she'd find some Aggie to to marry her and whisk her away, but um, instead God goes, Hey, stop trying to be in the United States, because this isn't where I called you. Go back you're needed over here and so she went and and i love the fact that um she does that because selfishly it means i don't have to Um, and that may sound a little selfish but um the people of the anias and i know that we probably wouldn't get along very well um because they wouldn't get my sense of humor much like you you don't most of the time um But Jenna and I find it a blessing and almost a duty to support Julie. Because Julie is hearing these words, go make disciples of all nations, and she's going. And it doesn't take away anything from the fact that God has said, hey, Michael and Jenna, the nation that you're called to is the mule nation. I've never heard that. I just coined that term. This is awesome. Um, You're called here to Alamo Heights. You're called to be in this community. You are called to live in your neighborhood in such a way that people know you, that they know that you love God. And because of that, you love them. I tell you, we we have lived, I I grew up averaging three years a a town. and We moved around a lot. It was witness relocation. It's something I don't like to talk about much. Um, So I have the beard. I look totally different without it. Uh, But we moved around a lot. And so this house that we live in right now is the longest I've ever lived anywhere. And it's six years, seven years. The longest I've ever been in one spot is this house. And, and what I have seen in the way that we have tried to be disciple makers in our community by moving the stuff that we do from our backyard to our front yard. And we're in our front yard all the time, throwing the ball, playing with our new puppy, shooting baskets, uh, having a glass of wine, inviting people to come and do the same with us. And, and our neighborhood knows us. Um, two nights ago, Corbin took a shower. Um, and he took a long, hot shower. And I walked in there at one point. I'm like, wrap it up, buddy. You're done. Go to bed. He's like, well, I'm soaking. I'm like, I don't care. You're soaking our bills, man. Shut it down. Um, and so I shut the door. He had had the door open. And I shut the door um, on him. And, and I leave. And I go and I sit down. And, and Jenna's like, what's up? I'm like, uh, your son is having one of your showers um, right now. And um, so she goes and she tells him. He opens the door and steam just comes out like it's a steam room. The alarm goes off because our fire alarm is right there and just just goes nuts. Grace had been asleep for a little bit, no longer asleep. Um, So I jump up and I'm like, what's going on? And, And I turn the alarm off and. And, uh, the phone starts ringing and I'm like, oh, it's the alarm people. And I pick it up and the phone line goes dead because when you have an alarm, um, you know, a lot of times they kill the phone line. And so I'm like, oh no. And and our alarm company sends us an email and they're like, Hey, there's a report of a fire in your hallway. And I'm like, I I know, please call me back so I can tell you it's not. So I get it cleared, I think. And then I hear, I'm like, oh, they're coming here. No. No, they're coming here because it's late, you know, I mean, it's dark and it, it's dark and cold. And so the lights are going to light up Broadway. Right. Um, and they turn on our street and I'm like, oh, so I go outside and it's cold and it's kind of raining and I'm just standing there and I'm like, oh, this is embarrassing. Um, what, what's wrong? My son was taking a steamy bath, you know, this is great. And he gets out and like the ladder truck came. Okay, the fact that Alamo Heights has a ladder truck is something that we can discuss at another date and time. Um, but they sit the ladder truck. I'm like, wow, they overestimated really what was going on. But um, So the fireman gets out and he walks up and he sees me kind of just sheepishly smiling at the ground. And he does this to the guys in the other truck. <laughs> and they tone it all down. However, our entire neighborhood responded. I mean, the, the Jacobsons across the street just pop out. Are you okay? And Gordon and Janice, this wonderful older couple who are the best couple in the world who live three doors down on the other side. Gordon's yelling, is it okay? You know, and I'm like, Gordon, you're good. Calm down. And we get texts from people, you know, I just everything. The community was, was just there. And, and people calling us, and you know, and I, I couldn't tell the story any longer from embarrassment that my son was taking a really steamy shower, my seven-year-old. Just soaking, Dad. Um, so I let Jenna handle all communication after I got done with the, the fireman. And I went, hey, remember the last time you were here? It was for my son's fourth birthday party, and you let, let us play with the sirens. That was fun. He goes, oh, yeah, I remember that. That was great. Thanks for coming back. Um, stuff. And uh, so, so they go on. But what I saw in that moment was a community functioning, was a community calling out. They had no idea what was going on in our house. It could have been a fire. It could have been something with grace. It could have been something with any one of us. And they didn't know either, but they were coming out both through phone and physically. And it was because they know us. It was because they see us all the time. And we're those neighbors that say hi until you say hi back. And, and we're those neighbors that go Christmas caroling like we did a few weeks ago and knock on your door whether you want us or not. It wasn't my idea, by the way, but y'all should have known that. Disciple making is about being where you are, being in the community in which you live knowing people, spending time with people so that they know you so that they know you are not a perfect person, that you have faults, that you make mistakes, that you hurt, that you celebrate when things go well, that you have a son that takes long, steamy showers, you know, all of these things that they know who you are. And if it is At the very core of who you are, that you are trying to be more and more like Jesus over time, not through a class, not through sitting in some lecture, not even through a sermon over time. They are going to see that this Jesus guy has something to him because the way in which they live their life is different than the rest of the world. They seem to care more about me than other people. They seem to care more about people who no one else cares about. Those people have something. That is different and they will watch and they will see and they will become more like him. Hopefully that is what discipleship is all about. It's about spending time with the people who are around you. Focusing in on a few. Saying come be like me. Now over the next many weeks, we'll get more into this. Discipleship is this huge topic. And we'll look more and more into what it looks like. But I will start with this. Those of you who have children, you're already discipling because they are watching you. Yes, they are listening to you, some better than others, right? But they are watching, not just to see what you say, but to see what you do. Because they are going to become, one day, who you are and wouldn't it be wonderful who they became was a daughter a son of the most high god because they already are let us go and make disciples let's pray